So um, I'm going to probably talk a little bit quieter now today because I have to make sure my voice lasts for the whole three hours that I'm going to be speaking for. Um, that was a joke, by the way, just in case. Like, if you're visiting, don't worry. Uh, that was a joke. Um, <clears throat> but uh, as you heard from Carla and myself, we're a little bit raspy still. We're not infectious. Don't worry. Well, we don't think we are. Um, but we had um, basically three weeks of, I've, I've called it super cold ultraman flu. Um, like, you know, it's the worst of the worst kind of cold that you can get. Um, and, you know, being a man, I had it a lot worse than Carla did. Um, and it wiped me out pretty much for a couple of weeks. But praise God, I'm back on my feet again now. And uh, <laughs> appreciate your prayers last week uh, when we weren't around. Oh, yeah, when we weren't around. So, okay, today I just want to talk about the church. Uh, not family church. I want to talk about the church, which um, from the very un- outset, I want you to understand that everything that I'm talking about today is 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 God's idea. Everything that I want to talk about today is what Jesus is incredibly passionate about. And we understand that the Word of God says that Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And uh, the people of God, we here today, we are the church. And you are loved by God. So much so that God sent his one and only beloved son to take on that to take his place on that cross to take the sin of the world upon himself to die for you and I so that we could be set free from sin so that we could be clean and cleansed before God and stand accepted by the living God and have a relationship with God and this is what it's all about this is why we do what we do isn't it amen okay so you'll have to interact a little bit today as well because I'm going to be talking a little bit quieter and because of my beautiful, soothing voice, it's easy for you to sort of, you know, be lulled into a, a, a deep, deep sleep. Uh, so if you every now and then want to say amen and stuff like that, then I know that you're still awake and still listening. So my aim today is to look at what the church is and so, so that we can better understand the purpose of the church and how we fit into it. So Matthew chapter 16 Verses 13 to 19. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So he's obviously already identifying himself as something here. He's identifying himself here, first of all, as a human, the Son of Man. And remember, Jesus was all man, 100% man, 100% God. So they said to him, Well, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the deliverer, the one who God has sent to deliver his people, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Also, I say to you that you're Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Jesus says, upon this rock I will build my church. Now, it's interesting, the name Peter, it means a a rock, a pebble, a a stone. Um, But of course, 
Jesus isn't only referring to Peter, who very much was involved in the founding of the church, but actually he's referring more so to himself. Jesus is the rock upon which we stand. You know, the Bible says that we've been taken from the miry clay and set upon a rock. Our feet have been set upon the rock, and that is Jesus. Amen? Okay, amen? Okay, okay. And and isn't it good to know that we were once standing on sinking sand, but now our feet have been placed upon the rock? Because in this world, it feels like sinking sand sometimes, doesn't it? In this world, uh, there is much to be troubled about. But Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Believe in God. You, you believe in God, you also believe in me. Um, because Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one God. And, and we have this God working on our behalf, don't we? He is working behind the scenes of our lives. He is for us and not against us. Amen? Okay, so he is the one in whom we trust in the midst of a very troubled world. So in this passage, Jesus says, I will build my church. And that word church is the Greek word ecclesia. I think I might just hold this in my hand, actually. So I've got a constant sort of dribble going down my throat. It's grace, isn't it? So this is actually the first uh, use of the Greek word ecclesia in the New Testament. And it refers collectively to those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ and become citizens of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Now, this passage reveals two main truths about the church. Number one, say number one. The church belongs to Jesus. Amen? Who does it belong to? Okay. Number two, it's Jesus who builds the church. Who is building the church? Okay, and that word builds, I will build my church, it means establish, grow, increase, mature, okay? That's what Jesus meant when he said he would build his church. So it wasn't just about bringing people into the kingdom, but it was about the, ki- the people of the kingdom growing in spiritual maturity so that they could best represent the kingdom of God to the people of this world. Amen. So every picture in the New Testament of the church reveals this truth that Jesus is, uh, that the church belongs to Jesus, that he's Lord of the church. First of all, the picture of the temple that the New Testament uses to describe the church. In the temple, Jesus is the cornerstone. Yeah? And the building cannot stand and has no direction without Jesus in his rightful place when it comes to seeing the church as a a building, as a temple. Another picture of the church in the New Testament is a body. Jesus is the head, and the body is helpless without the head leading the body and guiding the body. Amen? The body has no life without Jesus in his rightful place, yeah? The church is described as a flock in another place, and Jesus is the chief shepherd of the flock of God. This is his church, amen? The flock becomes scattered and vulnerable when the shepherd isn't watching over his sheep. We need Jesus to be in his rightful place as chief shepherd over the flock. And the the church is also described as a bride. And Jesus is the groom or the husband who loves his bride, the church. 
and, and the bride is, is told to submit to her husband. And, and that's important that we understand that the church should be submitted to Christ. The bride and the groom are one, and they don't make sense without each other. Amen? So the church belongs to Jesus. And it's also Jesus who builds the church. You know, we see in Scripture that um, true and significant and lasting growth, in other words, growth that goes even beyond the grave, growth that takes us into eternity, can only come from one source, and that is Jesus himself. If you want true growth in your life, you've got to go to the source that will bring true growth. You know, the, the woman at the well, she was drawing water, natural water, and it would quench her thirst. But actually, um, it's so important that, that she, she realized that Jesus is the living water. That actually, if she didn't ever want to thirst again, she could drink of the living water that Jesus would give her. Amen? So, true, lasting, significant growth only comes from one source, Jesus. In Psalm 127, verse 1, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Okay, so Jesus needs to be in charge of building his house, growing his church. Amen? In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 7, it says, So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters. So this is talking of seed. It's talking of us sharing the message of the gospel, the message of God's word with other people. And it says it's important that there's one who plants. It's important that that's watered, that the message continues to be shared. But there is one who brings increase, and that is God. Amen? God gives the increase. You know, there's no one more passionate about building the church than Jesus. I sometimes feel I'm getting close to having that passion because I love the church. Um, we do anything for the church. We love being used by God to, to, to lead uh, his, his church and, and, and be under shepherds of Jesus. Um, there's nothing that thrills my heart more than, than seeing uh, the flock doing well and seeing God's people finding green pastures in their lives and, and, and finding the plan of God for their life. There's, there's literally nothing that, that excites me, me more. Didn't know I was going to get emotional about it, though. Um, but there's no one more passionate about the church than Jesus. You know, and we see from this scripture that he's in charge of the building, but we're all to be involved with this process. Do you understand that today? Jesus is in charge of the building of the church, but we're all to be involved with that process. Um, he said, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. So there's clearly other builders involved, but Jesus has to be in charge of the building. And I realized, and this ties in with what Carla said um, just now, um, you know, to be most effective in building the church, I have to be totally submitted to Jesus, to the master builder. Um, when I am, then I'm submitted to the one who's got the blueprints in his hands. I don't want to do it any other way. I, I want us to build God's church together um, according to the blueprints that Jesus has for his church. Amen? And, and let me tell you something. We are not going to get it right all the time. In fact, we're going to get it very wrong sometimes. We're going to try things that don't work sometimes. Um, we are always, though, going to endeavor to hear what Jesus is telling us 
and to do things according to his blueprints. Amen. So, you know, it's an exciting season for us. It's an exciting season for me. And um, one of the most important things for me at the moment is, is to make sure that we understand that God wants us to know his presence. There is nothing more important than when we come together, when we gather together as a, as a church family, you know the most important thing is that we have the presence of God. Um, and, and I want to make sure that every time we gather, that's our number one priority, is we have the presence of God. Anyone agree? You know, there's, in comparison to having the presence of God, everything else fades into insignificance, doesn't it? Now, I really believe it's important that we work with excellence, and that everything we do glorifies God, um, that, that things work well, that we have good systems in place. But actually, without God's presence, we've got nothing, haven't we? So I just want to look at one picture of the church for the remainder of my time this morning. And that is the church as a temple. The church as a temple. And in the Old Testament, the temple was the place of God's presence. Now, in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant was situated at the very center of the temple in the most holy place, or the Holy of Holies. Now, I don't know if you know much about the Ark of the Covenant, but the Ark of the Covenant was basically symbolic of Jesus, the coming Messiah. It was symbolic of Jesus. It, it was the place of God's presence. You know, the Ark was made of acacia wood and then um, covered with gold. And that represents both the, um, the humanity and the deity of Jesus. And then there were these uh, cherubim, these angels on top of the ark, looking down onto the, uh, it was the, called the mercy seat. And they were looking down onto to the lid of the ark, where the blood of the pure lamb would be sprinkled. And, you know, those cherubim, they were at the gates of Eden when man sinned and were cast out of God's presence. But those same cherubim, they're now looking at the blood of Jesus um, that has made us acceptable to God once again. That, that God's mercy that has said, come back into my presence. Isn't that wonderful? And in that Ark of the Covenant, there were three things, weren't there? There were these um, tablets of stone that had the law written on them. Um, there, were, there was Aaron's rod and there was the pot of manna. And all of these things represent man's way of doing things um, and the old way of doing things. And they were all in the ark under the blood of Jesus. Because when God looks at us now, he doesn't see us um, according to the law. He doesn't see us according to, um, you know, we, we can never be uh, righteous in our own works to come before God. All he sees is the blood of the lamb that was sprinkled upon our lives. And I just think the ark gives an incredible picture of, of God's mercy upon our lives. So this ark of the covenant, this is the place of God's presence. It was in the very center of the temple of God. And so God's people, they loved going to the temple to worship. They loved going to that place where they knew God's presence was. David said in Psalm 122 verse 1, he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord, speaking of the temple, because David loved to be in God's presence, but it was never God's desire to dwell in buildings made of stone. Everyone say made of stone. That was not God's desire. 
to for his presence to be confined to these big stone to this big stone temple and and, and um, Stephen in the book of Acts he uh, was brought before the Jewish council accused of blasphemy blasphemy and he explained this to the people that were accusing him in, in Acts 7 48 to 49 Stephen said this however the most high does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? And then he goes on to bring the answer. And we see that answer right through the rest of the New Testament. And the answer is this, that God now dwells in his people, not in buildings made of stone. Everyone say, in his people, in me. Isn't that wonderful? So God doesn't dwell in buildings, temples made of stone. Both individually and collectively as the church, those who have put their faith in Christ are referred to as a temple of God. That means a a building of God, a place of God's presence. The place where God resides. I could probably stop there today and we could just think about that for the rest of the day. Your life, my life, together, the church, God has chosen to fill us with his presence, to be with us. Isn't that wonderful? With a temple of God. And of course, in the temple, Jesus was at the very center. And that's important, that Jesus is at the very center of this temple, of his church. So 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20 says this. Do you not know? Do you not know? So 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. What was the price that we were bought at? The blood of Jesus. The laying down of his life. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. You know, that's a command there, to honour God with our bodies. Because these bodies, these lives, have been cleansed before God. Because of the blood of Jesus. Because Jesus died on that cross for us. And so, you know, what else is there to do with our lives? Then it says in Romans 12, doesn't it? This is our reasonable service. Let's come before him as living sacrifices each and every day. Just laying ourselves before him, saying, God, you've cleansed me. Now I want to be used for your glory. I want to honor you with my body, with all that you've given me. Amen? So your life was made clean when you received Christ, so you can know God's presence in your life. That was the only thing separating you from God, was your sin, was your wrongdoing. But Jesus dealt with that on the cross. He took your sin. He paid the price. So nothing separates you now from, from the Lord. All you have to do is repent of your sin. That means just say, I'm going to turn my back on it. I'm sorry, God. I don't want to live my way anymore. I don't want to live the world's way anymore. I want to live your way. And put your faith in Christ who gave his life for you. You know, as well as being a temple of God individually, we're also living stones is how the Bible describes us. Living stones, not old rocks, not big old boulders that have no life, but living stones, bright, shining, 
I kind of like see see our lives as part of the glorious temple of God as these like bright shining, um, wonderful, living, glorious living stones. And that's what we are now as part of God's church. So not only individually are we a temple, but we're part of the corporate or collective temple of God. It says in First Peter 2 verses 4 and 5. You can read it yourselves. No. Um, you'll come into Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. Remember at the start, we said the church belongs to Jesus. He's got to be the cornerstone. From the cornerstone, we have our foundation. We have our direction. Uh, the, the, the church has no direction without Jesus as the cornerstone, right? Uh, he was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you're living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you're his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. A, a, a priest's role is simply to come before God. And the good news is that we can personally come before God. We don't have to come through a priest. We are priests ourselves. We can come before God because we've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So collectively, the church is a glorious temple that God has chosen to dwell in and work through in this world. And the next scripture that I want to share just really underlines this. It says in Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. Now, therefore, you're no longer strangers and foreigners. Isn't that good to know? We're not, we're not strangers and foreigners anymore. We're not out there anymore. Uh, but we're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. There it is again. He's got to be the cornerstone. In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you're also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. What a wonderful picture that is, that we're living stones, part of this, this temple made up of people whose lives have been redeemed by Jesus. And every one of us has a place in this living temple of God. And the whole purpose of us, the whole purpose of the church, is that God can fill the church with his presence in order to bring his kingdom into this world. So that we, the church, can reveal the kingdom of God to the darkness of the world around us. Amen? You know, God made us holy so that he could fill our lives with his presence. And he delights to do this. You know, it's not a chore for God to give us his Holy Spirit. It's not a chore for God to fill you with his spirit. Actually, the truth is that Jesus said, if you go to the Father and, and ask, you know, even a loving um, Father in the natural, if you go and ask for a fish, um, he's not going to give you a snake. If you ask for a stone, um, for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. Um, how much more does Father God want to give his Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amen. God loves to pour his spirit out in your life. Praise God. So he's called us. Everyone say called. 
You're called by God. Just turn to the person next to you and say, you're called by God. <laughs> Embarrassing, isn't it? It could get much worse. You know, you're called by God. And God's called us as individuals and as the church collectively to walk in holiness, in the holiness that he's given us. He's called us to be a different people in this world so that we can bring his kingdom to this world. I want to share another scripture with you. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. So this just follows on from a passage that we read um, a moment ago. It says, but you're not like that. You're not like those who reject Christ. You're a chosen people. You're royal priests. You're a holy nation. God's own precious, very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You know, one of the greatest commissions we have, the greatest calling that we have, is to shine God's light to people in the world around us. Amen? You know, as the living temple of God in this world, we've been called to shine God's light into the darkness. We're called to bring the glory of heaven into the darkness of this world. Jesus was the true light. That's how he was described in the book of John. And he came into this world. He was rejected by many, but others were drawn to his light. How do we shine God's light in this world? Well, we live in his love. We walk in truth. I think that's so important. We reject sin from our lives. We walk in righteousness. Many will reject us, but others will be drawn to God's light. Um, we do the good works that God's called us to do. And in all of these ways, we shine the light of God. And that's not just an individual thing. That's what God's called his church to do. Do you know today that you can't go to church? Anyone know that? You can't go to church. Do you know why? Because you are the church. Okay? Church isn't a place that we go. Um, the picture of, of, of the temple that I'm talking about today reminds me that we can't go to church because we are the church. We can gather together as Christians. We can assemble together as Christians. But it is theologically impossible to go to church. There are some people that can go to church, and they are those who haven't yet accepted Jesus as their saviour. Because when someone comes here, for example, on a Sunday morning, and they haven't yet started a relationship with God, they're going to church because they're coming to us, the church. Amen? So it's never bothered me that we meet in a school. The building is just the building, isn't it? What's important is that the people understand that we are the glorious church that carries the presence of God. And when someone comes into this place, it's not the place that makes a difference in their lives. It's the people of God. It's the presence of God that makes a difference in their lives. Amen? So we're not allowed to say that we're going to church anymore. We know what you mean. But actually, what you can say is, I'm going to see my church family. Is I'm going to gather with God's people. Stuff like that, yeah? Now, 
So, excuse me. You've been very patient with me today. So from the scriptures, um, it's very clear that the assembling or the gathering of ourselves together as the church is essential. So having said that, we don't go to church. Actually, Scripture makes it very clear that it's essential for God's people to gather together. Now, I'm probably preaching to the converted today, but there is a lot out there at the moment, a lot of people saying, well, we don't need structure. We don't need leadership. Uh, Let's uh, disassemble church. Let's let's do things another way. Um, And I agree that we should always be endeavoring to hear what God's saying to us. But one thing about structure and leadership that's important is if you don't have leadership in your life, then um, you're less likely to be accountable. Um, And actually, I think accountability is a really, really important thing for the people of God. Uh, so, So the word church, we're nearly done now. The word church is a translation of the Greek word ecclesia, which I said earlier. And that word actually literally means, it means a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place, an assembly. Now, in ancient Greece, the word ecclesia was used to refer to the mass gathering of the citizens of Athens to come together to discuss the affairs of state. And in the first century... When the book of Acts was written, people would have had this image of a mass gathering of people in their minds when it came to the use of the word church, okay? So the word church doesn't only refer to to us, the citizens of God's people, scattered throughout the world, but actually a fundamental part of the word refers to the gathering together of those citizens, so there's a, a fundamental part of what the church is and, and, and should be and must be a priority for us as believers, especially in these days. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says this. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but let's encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So we're encouraged not to neglect or not to forsake meeting together, especially in these last days. Um, In March 2020, anyone remember what happened in March 2020? Coronavirus hit uh, us in the UK. Um, And, well, it was probably here before that, wasn't it? But the government made it unlawful for people to meet together even in small numbers. Um, But now we have the opportunity to gather together again. I just want to say, let's make the most of it. Let's make the most of this opportunity to bring people to church, to the presence of God. Let's be the temple. Let's come together as living stones and enjoy the presence of God together, both collectively as well as in your own time, in your own Uh, in your own life, in your own walk with God. You know, meeting together provides the opportunity for collective worship. I love being together. I love singing with God's people 
to gather in this place. It provides the opportunity for prayer, for communion, for teaching the ways of God's kingdom, for growing together. It promotes unity of faith. When we come together, it promotes unity of mission. We're all on one page. We're hearing the same things spoken. It provides an environment where we can do the greater works that Jesus spoke of. He said, you know, I'm one person, um, but everything that I've done, greater works will you do. Why? Because there's more of us. Um, It provides opportunities for mutual and meaningful friendships with other believers to develop. So I am all for gathering. I'm all for gathering together in big numbers as well as in small numbers. You know, the very first believers gathered together on a regular basis. Just uh, a couple more scriptures and then we're going to close in just a moment. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and then 46 to 47, it says this. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and of prayers. And then it says, so continuing daily, daily in one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and with simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And then Acts 5 verse 42 says this, Every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to preach this message, Jesus is the Messiah. So we see there that in the book of Acts, God's people daily gathered together, both in the temple, so in in a big gathering, and from house to house, and in smaller gatherings as well. Both scriptures refer to them coming together in a big gathering and in smaller gatherings, because that's what the church is. And we believe in the big gathering and in the small gathering, not one or the other, but both. We want everyone to attend our weekly, not daily, our weekly big gathering on a Sunday. Not because we want big numbers, but because there is something special about the living stones coming together, being that dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, both individually, but also the dynamic of when we come together is something special. We also want everyone to be part of a smaller group that gathers in a smaller setting, such as in someone's home. Because that's where real friendships can be formed. Time can be taken to build friendships, to pray together, to discuss the scriptures. Um, and it's the best environment for, for discipleship, where we, where we grow spiritually together. So Family Church Connect groups, you've all heard about them. You all know what the vision is. We want 100% of our church family in a small group. And that may be for some. uh, Many people are involved with the worship team. So they gather together on a Tuesday night. And that's an environment where friendships can be formed, where people can grow in their walk with God together. But there's many, many other small groups that we call Connect Groups that we want people to be a part of. Connect Groups focuses simply on building relationship and on discipleship. In other words, people growing together and people growing in their walk with God. And if you're not part of one of our small groups, we really, really would like you to be. 
We also need more homes for small groups to meet in. And we also need more leaders to run small groups or to facilitate small groups. You don't have to be an expert um, professional Christian to run a small group. You just have a heart, have to have a heart for people and to build relationship with your church family. And uh, that said, if, you, if you're interested in offering your home or facilitating a group, uh, Nacho and Susanna and Philippa and Richard, could you just stand up? Speak to Nacho, Susanna, Philippa, Richard, um, any one of them, if you'd like to either offer your home or to facilitate a small group. So I'm done now. I've run over time very slightly, and I apologize and will apologize to our kids' church workers for that because uh, I know it can cause them some difficulties. But I just want to finish by saying this. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing to be part of God's church. Who loves being part of God's church? I'm not asking if you like being part of family church. Maybe you're here under duress today. Maybe you just hate the fact that you're here. But I love being part of God's church because God's church is the temple of God. Just turn the mic up a little bit. My voice is going a bit. It's, uh, It's the dwelling place of God's spirit that he feels and that he works through in order to bring light and hope to the world. Amen. It's his dwelling place. This, not this, but this, the people of God. We're his dwelling place and God's working through us and he is bringing light and hope to the world through us. It's amazing to come together in a big gathering, in a small gathering. Let me just encourage you, please make it a priority. Make it a priority to gather. I am preaching to the converted, I know. But if you know anyone that is struggling, anyone that has isolated themselves, anyone that's pulling away, anyone that is believing believing the lie of you can be a church on your own uh, by yourself, you don't need other Christians, it's a lie. You can't be the church without being with other people. And let's make the most of our freedom in this country that we have to come together as Christians. Because it was taken away from us for a while. Let's make the most of the opportunity to come together in person as God's people to be the church. Amen? Just very quickly, you can know God. If you're here today and you, some of this is new to you, you've not uh, even thought about having a, a friendship with God before, I just want to say to you today, you can know God. You can know his presence in your life. You know, God loves you. God loves you. He's always been watching over your life. You may not have known that, but he has a plan for your life today. And all you have to do to be able to know God's presence in your life is to say goodbye to your sin. Say, God, I'm sorry that I've sinned. Sorry that I've done wrong in my life. Sorry for everything that I've allowed in my life to separate me from you. Because you're a perfect God. And I understand the only way that I can come before you is to accept Jesus who died on the cross for me. Who took my sin upon himself. The whole nature of sin, Jesus took upon himself on the cross. And in exchange, you've been cleansed. The moment you believe in Jesus, your life has been made clean. I'm just going to pray a prayer right now that introduces you to the Lord. That says, thank you, God, for sending Jesus. 
thank you that you've made my life clean. Thank you that I can now have a relationship with you. Would you just bow your heads, close your eyes, and just pray this prayer with me right now. Say, Dear Father, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin. I believe you forgive me and make me new. I surrender to you and ask you to be Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to live a life that honors you. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Just keep your heads bowed just for a moment. If you prayed that prayer, you've just made your peace with God. Maybe you've never had a relationship with God before. Maybe you've been away from God and today you've come back into this place and you want to restart your relationship with God. Please, would you just do one thing for me? Just raise your hand so that I can see who you are today. Be bold, be brave. Just put your hand straight in the air so I can see who you are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else here today? You want to walk with God. You want to say no to the world. You want to say, yes, God, I want to do things your way now. Anyone else here today? Awesome. Okay. Lift your hands up. Uh, Not hands up. Heads up. And uh, if you uh, made that decision today, it's likely that someone may approach you after the service just to have a quick chat with you and to pray with you. But if they don't, there's these cards on your chairs that say, welcome home. Just take that card to someone with our hosting team t-shirt on the black t-shirt and say, I prayed that prayer today. Be bold, be brave. Tell someone I prayed that prayer today and they'll be able to give you a Bible and make sure that you're supported as you start your walk with God. Parents, you know what to do. Uh, Very first thing you have to do before you talk to anyone at all is go and get your children from Kids Church. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.